Hello and welcome to the Cocktail Hour with me, your host, Erin Folk. The Cocktail Hour is a place where we celebrate the women in business who are shaking shit up. This week, we are talking about the resilience of leadership. What does it take to become a leader and what it means to take on a leadership role in an already established business? Today, we have president of Central Exchange, Courtney Thomas. Welcome, Courtney. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, we are so excited you are here. Thanks. Okay, and this is your first podcast, right? Yes, actually it is. I don't. I didn't think that we had beat Courtney to anything ever, so that makes me very <laughs> excited. Big yes. score. No, we're super excited and honored that you picked our podcast to be your first, because I'm sure it's not your first offer. So, okay. Well, we always start the week every week with what we call the shake. So let's see who is shaking shit up this week. All right. As always, Christian sends an article to our guest beforehand to kind of read, so we're kind of on the same page. This week, she sent an article from Forbes.com about Indra Nooyi. I believe I'm saying that right. I double-checked it a couple of times. Um, the Shake is the part of the show where we highlight a few amazing women nationally and locally that are shaking shit up, making great moves in business, and creating a better world with their passion. So, um, Indra just stepped down as the CEO of PepsiCo. Were you very familiar before this article with her? I followed her and okay. her leadership for not a long time, but since I joined uh, Central Exchange, really getting okay. familiar with more women leaders and being that there's so few yeah. leaders in the Fortune 500 company, she certainly was one that I admired and respected. What do you mean by followed? How did you follow her? Just understood who okay. who were the women who were sh shaking shit up, oh, right? Good job. Who are the ones that are leading, um, leading the country, leading businesses, and who are the folks that we can all aspire to model? So this article is really a thank you for her leadership. So now that I've, I unfortunately have not done a a wonder, I, my life has just been so crazy that I haven't had a chance to go follow anyone. I knew who I wanted to follow when I started, and then it's all just been so busy that I um, need to do a better job of finding new um, mentors and kind of the, the path I'm going down, which I think is awesome that you did. But So I wasn't as familiar with her. However, um, as I dove into it and I kind of asked the team, they all were very familiar with her. And I guess that she's been very controversial. Do you know much about any of that controversy? I know that she's been bold in her decision making and not back down from some of those uh, business challenges that others perhaps would have stepped stepped away from. She's boldly stepped forward into them. Uh, one of the things that I found really interesting about her is just her humble upbringing. And one of the conversations that her mom used to have with her around the dinner table, she and her sister asking them, if you were going to be prime minister, what are the things that you would, yeah, that you would do? What are the things that you would want to achieve? And I think starting with that mindset at such a young age probably helped her to develop some some big dreams and resiliency around the obstacles that she may face. Do you think that a lot of her controversy comes because she is a woman being bold? I think that's always an element of controversy. Yeah, yeah it's such a balance for women of finding that spot of professional assertiveness and where with some folks that may cross the line into being being pushy or perhaps being inappropriate. And I think that's a balancing act that we as women face every single day. Yeah. Okay, we're going to get into kind of how you face that in a little bit. But I just found this article because this article is, it does not focus on that controversy at all. It's actually a thank you. So it kind of highlights all of the major things she did um, and says thank you. And it is written by another woman, which I find very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, 
do you think as women now this is a very interesting question to you because you run so if you're not familiar with central exchange central exchange is uh do you i'll let you explain central sure exchange. yeah so we are a leadership development organization helping women achieve their full potential we've been a part of the kansas city fabric for 38 years now and it's been interesting the evolution and the changes that um and needs that women have over time and we are working to address how we elevate women into um more levels of leadership, helping them to identify board opportunities. How do we help them have those difficult conversations at work so they can get the things that they need to do their jobs the best? So really, women champion other women. That's right. other women. Okay. Yes. Which you don't always find, right? Sometimes women can be our own worst enemies, right? Absolutely. So I find this article very interesting that it is written by a woman. However, I wonder when this article, you know, Forbes is still a very male-dominated readership as well. I wonder when this article was put out and it went through all of the editing, do you think that it was, and there's no way to know this, but do you think that there was any pushback because of the controversy? Is it just being a thank you and not really focusing on not giving the two sides because it is a woman? I don't know that I think that that was the case here because you certainly, if you do your research, you can find plenty of other articles that, that do demonstrate the... I wouldn't say divisiveness, but the separation in opinion. Um, I think in this case, you know, one of the things that I loved in reading it is the celebration of how she, as a leader, held her calm mm -hmm. during during the chaos. And that is something that is so important in leadership, particularly when you're going through transition, you're going through growth, you're going through change. People are looking at you, whether you know it or not, or want to believe it or not. They're they're watching your every move and they're yeah. learning from that and they're learning how they should react from that. And I think that that was one of the um, skills and attributes that she is applauded for most is her ability to remain calm mm -hmm. uh, during whatever adversity or challenge she was faced with. Do you think that that surprised people, and not to harp on this, but do you think that her remaining calm does become more of a highlight because she is a woman versus if she was a man? Are they expecting more emotion? I think or as a are we accepting more? I think as a general rule, um, it is assumed mm -hmm. that women are more emotional than than men, and I don't know that I be that I believe that. I think that definitely men and women lead differently. They think differently. We process things differently, mm -hmm. but women tend to be more desire to be more connected with others. So we're mm -hmm. more relational. We want to talk about what we're thinking. We want to talk about what we're feeling. We want to get advice from others. Um, I think as a general rule, men tend to internalize those things a little bit more yeah. and it's seen as a weakness. If I've got to lean on you for advice or support, is that viewed as a weakness? So I'm just going to figure it out on my own. Um, when really we all should be looking at the, the role that we play in life or at work as this journey of collaboration and really leaning on other people to help us to get where we're headed and, and where we're going. And you get there a whole lot faster when you do that. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so what you know about her and following her, how much do you think your leadership mimics her leadership style? It's hmm, a great question. Thanks. I don't know that I know enough about the specifics of her leadership to speak directly to that, but I guess I could relate that one example of her, her calm during the chaos to, mm -hmm. to my career. And for 25 years of my life, I spent time in animal, uh, animal welfare and the animal health field. And obviously in that situation, you're, you're facing crisis every single day. And I'll never forget one of my employees said, 
Courtney, it's so interesting. A dog could be brought to us that was just hit by a car or someone could bring you a bouquet of roses and your reaction is really similar yeah. about those two things. Just oh, re- wow. remaining remaining focused on on the outcome. What's the outcome that we're after? How are we going to get there? And you know, clearly the more you get amped up about things, the more difficult it becomes for people to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And so I, I try to lead by that example, and I certainly could relate in that way to to this article, that that's one of the things that people have admired most about her her leadership style. And you think about in her situation, not only was she a woman, but she was a woman of a different nationality. Yeah. And that creates some, some barriers or challenges um, you know, for it shouldn't, just but itself. we know it does. It, yeah. it just in itself, it certainly does. So I think um, th- those obstacles that she had to face in a primarily male-dominated world. I mean, in Fortune 500 companies a year ago, there were approximately 34, 35 women leading Fortune 500 companies. Today, there's like 24. Yeah. So we're we're not going forwards. We're going backwards in in some ways. Okay, I find the last point you made right here interesting because um, of our podcasts that have aired, so we've got a couple that are going to air before you, but of our podcasts that have aired, um, we haven't had a Caucasian woman yet, right? So we haven't, in the past couple we've recorded, they just haven't aired as of today's date. Um, One of our guests was Hispanic and one was um, from Iran, and so my thoughts went straight to where your thoughts just went. I said... Did your ethnicity, your race, play into also the challenges that you faced? And they both worked at very large companies throughout their career. Um, and you're familiar with both, mm-hmm. with both yeah, of them. Yeah. Um, so Courtney and I kind of have the same circle of friends. But both looked at me and said, no, just the woman card played. Mm-hmm. Both of them said that, right? Mm-hmm. And I wonder, it would be very interesting to know once you reach that Fortune 500, because they were both at a, at a Fortune 500 company at one point, I guess, but once you reach that level at a Fortune 500, if the woman card or the ethnicity race card, which one plays heavier, right? Because I assume they both would play heavy on you mm-hmm. until those two podcasts. I think it really depends on the organization that mm-hmm. you're with. So as we know, there's been such a push for diversity and inclusion and that being a part of the foundation of organizations versus it being a checkbox that they're mm-hmm. just checking to make sure that they're meeting the criteria. So, but does diversity not include your, if you're a man or a woman? Do you not think people automatically assume that is included in diversity? I think some do and some some don't. Some are still learning. And I yeah. think that's the hard job that we have right now is really helping people understand what does diversity and inclusion mean. What do you think? What do you, what is your definition of diversity and inclusion? It's pretty, pretty broad. Um, so definitely inclusive of, of gender, definitely inclusive of race. But diversity of thought is also so important. And so the organizations and the leaders that are the most successful are the people who surround themselves with others that that don't necessarily share like thought as they do. Because the more broad and diverse um, the ideas that are shared at the table, the more innovative the solutions become. And so to me, it's diversity and inclusion is making sure that you're creating an environment that's open um, for people to feel as though they can share in a trusted environment. It is making sure that you do have good and equal representation of, of all genders. And I, and I say that with caution because I also am a very true believer that 
the person who is most qualified and most skilled for the job is the person who should get the Absolutely. job. Yeah, I think that there is there is some challenge and, and from time to time some conflict around um, you know, trying to fill a spot just to fill a spot so that you can say you've checked the box. Um, And whatever that is, whether you're a white woman, whether you're a man, whether you're an African-American woman, whatever that is. And I think we all have to to join forces to say equality and equity is really what we're after. Well, the reason I asked you this, and obviously we don't have you on here to talk about equality, but I love seeing your opinion on it because, okay, so what you just said, um, you still have to hire the the right person for the job. I think in our small business, we have done that. And in itself, we've created diversity here, Absolutely. right? Very different backgrounds, very different um, races, very different sexual orientations, very different um, thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. And we just don't politi- talk politics and we don't talk religion and we're all best friends here, right? However, um, I find this interesting because the dynamic in here. So all of our listeners know that Christian sits in the corner and gives me great questions to ask and kind of kind of rolls this. And Christian usually makes it into the podcast at some point, right? So I just want to use this as an example of how good leadership can play into that. And didn't even think of this until just now. But when Christian came in for her interview, one of the things we do, just so everyone understands, is one of the benefits we offer is we offer a benefit of um, being able to go to Central Exchange and work on your continuing education. So they have leadership courses. They have, I mean, you guys have courses for all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And and so we offer for our employees to, to use their membership to go there. And when I was telling, when I was so excited to tell Christian, because she is a sponge and she likes to soak up stuff, her face went to super excited to oh no, I don't know if this is the place for me. Now, granted, Christian had not been to Central Exchange in a few years, right? And you've been with Central Exchange for how long? 18 months. 18 months. So she hadn't been there since you took over. When she had gone before, she felt very, very out of place, based mostly off race, right? If I'm if I'm allowed to say that, if that's what the words, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but uh, it was our interview, so she was saying like very, she's not as open in the interview as she is now. Um, I could just see it in her face. Like she didn't want, she didn't want to go there. That wasn't the place for her. She didn't feel. And so I just, as I always am, I was very open. And I said, what, what don't you like about central exchange? And she explained to me that she just felt like it wasn't the place for her. She did feel as an African-American woman that, you know, it, she just didn't fit in. I kn- and my immediate response was her to her was, Oh no, it's changed. It's not a hundred percent where it needs to be, but ever since Courtney's taken over, that was one of her focuses. And I think Christian would agree with me. She's gone to Central Exchange now three, three or four times since she's been here. She likes to sign up for it. She loves it, and she feels very included. Although it's not a fifty-fifty mix of anything, right? But just the thought process behind we're trying has mm-hmm. made a huge difference, right? And so, how how did you change that shift? to make it where Christian and and amazing people like Christian feel comfortable coming in there when there was such a long, you said they've been around for 38 years, so I'm gonna guess that's kind of been the stigma for a long time before you came around. So I have perhaps maybe an, an interesting way to answer the question, which is I, I honestly didn't intentionally focus on it. Okay. Because I don't have to. Like it's always just been a part of who I am. Yeah. And it's interesting when I um I just was in Nashville 
a few weekends ago and experienced, I posted an article yesterday on LinkedIn about this, but experienced this woman whose job was to be your concierge in the restroom. And this woman took the greatest pride in her job. So here we are, Wild Horse Saloon in Nashville. You go in the restroom and hanging over the bathroom door. Was it a karaoke bar by chance? Oh, no, no oh. karaoke. Darn it. Okay. I know. Courtney, there were I plenty sure of love those. karaoke. There were plenty of karaoke bars. <laughs> but she has hanging over the bathroom stall a shoe holder. And in it is every single size and style of flip-flop that you can imagine. Oh. On the counter are these precious little baskets that she's tied bows around that have lotion, mouthwash, toothbrushes, lipstick, you name it, she's thought of everything. And so I reached out to her and said, I just want to say thank you so much for creating this amazing experience for us. And we had some dialogue and she said, no one has ever taken the time to, to say the things that you have said to me. And sometimes I feel a little bit out of place because I'm this black woman and the majority of our clientele are white women. And I said, you know, I'm so glad that you said that because I just want you to, I want you to understand who I am on the inside. And I have this conversation, um, we have this conversation as a family. My children have never known the difference in the color of people's skin. Yeah, my kids. People don't. are just people. And so when I think about our organization and the opportunity and impact that Central Exchange has to offer our community, it's it's about exposing people, exploring people, getting to know people, introducing people. It has to me it doesn't have anything to I don't think the forethought for me is not my gosh, I want to make sure that it's as diverse as possible. Yet that is a priority. So let yeah. me clarify. It just comes naturally to me is what I'm trying to say. So, so your leadership is really what drove that because people saw how you were and then emulated your leadership style and started opening themselves up, I would imagine. Perhaps. I mean, we have, I would say we have a, a fairly diverse membership at this yeah. point, And I have great relationships with um, some of our, the minority members that, that, I, that I know and that I have been introduced to at this point. We have great, great relationships, and we want to focus on them feeling more welcome. And I need their help to understand what are the things that you want or you need. How can yeah. we how can we better deliver um, on those things? Because it certainly it certainly is a, a priority. So there's some learning for me as well. Because as I you know just mentioned, growing up in my life. I never knew the difference. I mean, of course I knew the difference because there's an obvious with the optics, your eyes, yeah. you can tell that there's a difference, but in the heart and in my mind, like there just never was a difference because we're all just people. And my job is, my job is to be kind to everybody. My job is to, to be open with people. My job is to be accepting of, of others and to help other people. And that's just, that's the philosophy by which I've always lived by. Okay. We're going to get back to your growing up in a minute because... I think you're growing up to, I think looking at you, so I'm in a, I'm in a very exciting place because I saw Courtney from afar and like many people know, I find the people that I want to stalk and then I, I start stalking them. <laughs> I want to emulate them. Stalking's not very, I mean, I was going to say it was a strong word, but I don't think it is in this case. And then, but I always come up with their story in my head beforehand, right? And I always think I know their backstory. And Courtney, by far, threw me way, way off. And I want to get into that in a minute, but I kind of want to tell people a little bit about you. One more quick question about this shake part. And we don't need to name businesses or where you were um, or which businesses, but you have gone into a couple businesses, I just know as a friend, that, that you did walk into hot messes, right? 
I guess is the, the best way. When you walk into a business where you start day one and they say, here's this, fix it. How do you stay resilient during that and not, and not emotional, just like um, the CEO of PepsiCo, Indra Nungi? I always focus on what do I want the outcome to be? So what do I want the outcome? What do I want the outcome to be? And let's get there. And I think it does go back to that example that I gave a few minutes ago of, all right, you got a dog that's hit by a car, you got a dozen roses. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. It just is what it is. And so now your job is to be innovative and thoughtful and figuring out how to solve it. And I think that's one of the unique characteristics of my personality. I am fueled by complex problem solving. I am inspired by the things that scare most people. And that's just how I'm wired. It, I am just solutions oriented and So what happens when you fix it? Then do you go on to do you think that your your personality calls for you to go to the next place to fix? Do you become more like the the fixer? I am always looking for a challenge. So whether that is something that is broken and needs to be fixed or whether it's that we have an opportunity to enhance what's working well. So the way that my mind works and operates is we set goals for ourselves and we achieve those goals and my mind is on what what's next, what's next, what's next, what else can we do? Mm -hmm. And I recognize and realize sometimes my, um, it's interesting, one of our consultants with our personality profile that I used years ago said, Courtney, here's the, here's the quick and dirty on your personality profile. You're the big picture, innovative thinker, complex problem solving, but you move at such a rapid pace that sometimes people can't keep up with you. So if you envision this pickup truck and people are hanging on to the back of it and their feet are <laughs> flying up behind them. And so I realize and recognize that about myself. So anytime I am interviewing a person, a new, new staff member joins uh, my team, I always say, I want you to know you have permission to call a timeout on me because sometimes I move really, really quickly. And if you feel like that you're not getting the information that you need, you need more detail, you just don't understand, don't ever hesitate to call a call a timeout. So I'm very transparent as a Does leader. Does anybody do it? They do sometimes. Yeah. And I share cool. with them my profile before an offer is ever even extended to them. I am very transparent and put my profile right in front of them. And I explain to them what each of the dots mean. And you know, this is what you can expect. Um, and I want, just want you to know up front. But why did you start doing that? Why did I start doing that? Like, did something happen that brought you to mm. that part? And I ask you that because yeah, you're familiar. We've had some staff changes, right? And yeah. um, as certain staff left and certain staff came in, I think I changed my style of being more transparent of this is how I am. Because I was dealing with a thing, if I said it to you, if I would be a man. I don't think anyone would have taken it personally. But if I said kind of ABC, this is what we're going to do, da da people push back at it because I was being bitchy or, you know, kind of mm -hmm. that. So I, I got to the point with my staff, I, I can remember that exact point where I was like, okay, well, this is how everyone that's coming in, I'm just going to tell them this is how I operate. Mm -hmm. You know, you're coming in here, just understand that. So was there something like that that happened? I don't think so. I think it's just more a part of my DNA that I am, I'm very relational. Like I'm all about Let's build a relationship. Mm -hmm. That is, I'm not saying that we're all best friends. That's not what I'm. Yeah. That's not what I'm trying to accomplish with my staff. But I want to make sure that there's a connection there, yeah. because if there's a connection, then your productivity increases. There's 
a greater level of trust and there's just an oppor- a greater opportunity for success. So I can't think of there being a specific time that I the light bulb went on and I said, oh, let me share this with you. Outside of, I guess, when we started using, using a, a professional um, tool. So that was, let's see, 2000... 14, maybe 2000, yeah, 2014. Okay. As an organization, we adopted and developed, um, or maybe it was, it doesn't matter when it was, but um, <laughs> we adopted a, a tool and we used it for all of our, our staff because I think there's just such a gift and better understanding yourself, but most importantly, understanding the other people on your team. Yeah. So, where there was conflict prior and people thinking, well, gosh, so and so just is is being difficult or they don't want to be helpful or they don't understand my job, people then begin to understand, oh, this is just how Erin's hardwired. She's mm-hmm. not trying to be difficult. Like this is how her mind processes things and this is how my mind processes things. So then our team began to to start talking in, in terms of the color of their dots. Oh, well, that's your red dot or oh, that's your green dot or oh, that's your blue dot. And the relationships that were, were built and strengthened, it was incredible. It was really incredible. Yeah. And you actually did that with my team, and it made yeah, it it made things make a lot more sense. So yeah, I appreciate it. Okay, let's introduce you to people now, right? <laughs> <laughs> now that they know so much about you. Okay, so special guest is Courtney Thomas. Courtney's a native of North Carolina and holds a Bachelor of Science in Accounting from Bryan School of Business and Economics at the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. Is that how you say Green Greensboro? Greensboro, yep, that's okay. right. In September of 2002, Courtney moved to the Kansas City community and began her journey as an executive leader. Following a successful eight-year career at Wayside Waves, where she expanded the financial position and mission impact with innovation and strategy, Courtney led the merger of two Kansas nonprofits to form Great Plains SPCA in 2011, where she served as president and CEO for over six years. After growing the mission impact by 350%, wow, during her tenure, Courtney took the helm at Central Exchange in February of 2017 to enhance and execute a new strategic plan to advance the organization through 2020. Courtney's the mother of three beautiful young children and has been married to her husband, Jeff, for 13 years. She loves spending time with family, riding horses, photography, supporting our hometown teams, and participating in civic activities that make Kansas City a better place for all of us to call home. Welcome again. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, so here's the thing, Courtney. Kind of what I was alluding to a little bit ago. um, This makes you sound perfect, right? And when you look at you, you look perfect. Courtney, never. we're going to have a picture with this podcast, so you'll see there's never a hair out of place. Uh, there isn't. There if isn't. only you saw me in right. the morning. No, well, we don't. We don't see you in the morning. But by the time we see you at seven thirty a.m., sometimes yeah. never hair out of place. She can wear heels like nobody's business. She's always in a great business suit or business attire. Like you are just that look of what I believe we think of a successful businesswoman to look like, right? So when I was starting this business, I was like, I want to, I want to, I've since learned to be who I am because that is not me and it is definitely more you. Um, But there were a couple people and you were one of them that have this look that you look at and you just go, I know she's running something. She's doing something big, you know? And so I really aspired. And so I um, approached Courtney and um, pretty much just asked her if we could do some business together and made and forced her to be my friend along the way so <laughs> what i found very interesting is i think and maybe this is not maybe this is only my mindset but i do not believe this is only my mindset just based off the conversations i have i believe a lot of times when people look at you or people like you women like you that they think 
well, she must have had help to like, this must have been how she grew up. This must be her mom, her dad, her somebody, somebody in her life gave her this look. They pass it down. The road was pretty easy. She got that job because dad knew somebody or something like that. I do believe that's just an inherited trait in a lot of people when a woman is very successful and she has a really great look and the whole box seems perfect that they think that they've always been in that box, right? Mm -hmm. And it was almost handed to them. So as you and I got to know each other, I found it very interesting. You don't have you don't have a very pretty backstory, do you? Yeah, there's some challenges, definitely. Yeah, definitely some challenges growing up that made me a stronger person and contributed significantly to who I am today, for sure. How did you get to the point? Do you think of, let's start here. Do you think of yourself as that perfect person? No. I, well, let me answer it this way to say, I am definitely a perfectionist, but I am a perfectionist with myself, not with, I don't expect perfection of other people, but I, we all are our own worst critics, right? Mm -hmm. And so we all strive to, my biggest challenge is I want to get it all done right now. So finding patience is really hard for me. Um, And, and it's so important that as people, as leaders, that we can find that balance because the wick burns out at some point and you've got to You've got to stay balanced and focused on what's reasonable to achieve and not try to achieve Herculean efforts in everything every single day. Yeah. So if you weren't just handed everything and you've become this amazing leader, do you believe that leaders are born or do you believe that they're created? I think it's both, honestly. I think that there is an element of your DNA that predisposes you to a certain comfort zone um, with with things and an interest or desire to achieve. And then I think a lot of it also has to do with your environment. So I, I firmly believe that it's a combination of, of both, but it's all about the investment that you're willing to make in yourself to become a leader. So just because you've got this strand of DNA that says, you have the potential to be a phenomenal leader, it doesn't mean you're gonna be a phenomenal leader unless you work towards it. So were you born or were you more creative? It's both. I just said it's I know, both. I know, which more? <laughs> you said it can be both. Yeah, it's Do you both. believe that you were, bo- like, when you were a little girl, were you a leader with I your was. friends? I yeah. was, yes. I always have, I always have had that role in some capacity, whether it was sharing the, the big idea, let's do this, or mm-hmm. just taking the initiative. And I think that's one of the, you know, one of the things that, um, I just celebrate most about my, my personality. I don't know that my husband appreciates it a whole lot, but 13 it, years sounds like he's okay with it. He's amazing by the way. Like I, and let me just give him some kudos because I couldn't be where I am today without him and his support. But the, intuition, I want to point out that I think you could be where you were, but it just makes it nicer that you have his support. That's right. It would be challenging to mm-hmm. manage the children and all of those activities. You wouldn't probably have the kids if it wasn't have for him. Kids. That's right. Yeah, probably not. Um, I forgot now what I was saying. You were saying when you were a little girl that you were always the leader and then your husband. Oh, the intuition. Like yeah. just, I always am thinking ahead. So I'm thinking 14 steps ahead of where we are right now. Um, What's his personality like if he if he meshes well with you? Does he let you run with it and hold on to the back of the truck? Or how does that work at home? For the most part, uh, we just blend really, really well. Um, I mean, we have some of the same characteristics and then there are areas where we're, where we're very different. Um, but I am, I don't know why this, this example is coming to mind, but I am like 
just the queen of multitasking, which can be a blessing and a curse because sometimes the curse being that you take on a lot. And so Mm -hmm. when you've got a lot of spinning plates in the air, there's the potential for one of those plates to fall. But, um, you know, I'm the person who's opening up the refrigerator, getting the milk out while I'm grabbing the trash that's on the counter, putting it in, you know, my left hand, putting it in the trash, my right hand, pouring the milk with the other hand. And he's definitely more of a singular focused Mm -hmm. um, individual, one thing at a time, more systematic in that way. So when we clash, those are the places that we clash. Like, let's just stop and do one thing at a time. And I'm like, no, there's 24 hours in a day. So make them a man. Yeah. There's more to do. There's more we can accomplish. So, so when you were a little girl being a leader, I saw the funniest meme the other day. It said, um, we shouldn't, when little girls are bossy, we should no longer call them bossy. We should be, call them leaders. right? Right. I was much like that too. Um, but I remember looking up to certain women and being like, I want to be like that, right? Um, where did, do you remember someone in your childhood that you looked up to and were like, oh, that's how a woman could be a leader or be in charge? Do you remember anything like that? I would say my grandmother has been the biggest inspiration in my life. So she is now 93. She wow. still lives in North Carolina. She raised me um, literally from the day, just about the day I was born, I've been at, at her house. And there've been some times I've, you know, been with my mom for short periods of time, but, um, you know, seeing her resilience and seeing her strength and who she was and what she did really gave me the inspiration, um, and, and helped me to, to understand, you know, as a, as a, as a child, it was really interesting. I mean, my dad died when I was three, um, in a car wreck, but I didn't even know him. So, he and my mom had, had already split by that time. And my mom suffered from alcoholism and drug addiction and never was a stable, stable person in my life and my childhood. And so there was a lot of in and outs and there were a lot of promises made that didn't get fulfilled. And I had this little black folding chair. I'll never forget this little black metal folding, uh, folding chair. And one afternoon, my mom had promised she was going to come and pick me up. And so I told my grandmother, you know, I'm taking the chair out to the top of the driveway. She had kind of a long front yard. I'm going to take the the chair and I'm going to sit on the sidewalk and wait for her to come. And she, well, why don't you just stay inside? It's kind of warm. Was this your mom's mother? Yes. Yeah. It's kind of warm outside. Why don't you just stay inside? She'll come in. No, no. I want to, I want to, I want to see her as soon as she pulls in the driveway, you know, I was probably six five, six. Um, and looking back now, I realize what my grandmother was trying to do is protect me at that point, protect me from the disappointment. Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh yeah. My grandmother had a beauty salon in the basement of our home. Oh wow. And so she worked from home and I was exposed to all of her, her customers and just the fun environment of, you know, of that. But she was always there for me. I mean, she, she was there when I went to school. She was there when I came home from school. Um, She's a woman business owner. That's right. Then. That's, That's pretty right. impressive. Okay. So she, you know, I take my chair, I go sit up in the driveway and, you know, she never comes and she never comes and she didn't come. And I'll never forget, you know, the sadness that I felt walking back down the driveway with that chair in my hand and going to sit in my grandmother's beauty salon chair and her having that conversation with me. Like, you're just, you're not going to be able to to count on it right now. You're going to have to learn to overcome it. You had that conversation at five or six with you. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. You're going to have to learn to, to overcome it. You know, she's in a place that she can't help. She can't help the, who she is and the, what she does. And you've got to learn, you got to learn to pivot. I mean, she didn't use those exact words, Uh, but 
that was the message. And I think that that is what prepared me to, to just face whatever comes in life. I mean, you're here. And one of the, one of the coined phrases that I say all the time to, to people is at this point in your life, you're at a hundred percent success rate of survival. Like you've made it through. Yeah. So whatever is coming ahead or whatever you think you're faced with right now, you can look back on that success and say, I got this. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Doesn't mean it's going to be fun, but you can do it. And what I have found is some of the challenges that I thought were going to be the hardest and most difficult for me have been the ones to teach me the greatest, you know, the greatest lessons. And so to answer your question directly, I mean, my grandmother gave me that example of, of resilience and she came from a really challenging childhood and adulthood as well. And you would never know it. I mean, the way that you described me is Mm -hmm. the way that people people describe her. her. So you probably emulate her a lot in that. And I don't even know. I mean, it just comes, it just comes because I mean, she's my idol. Like she is the person that, you know, she's made me who I am. Do you ever wonder if you would have turned out how you turned out, had your mom tried to raise you on her own? Oh, we talk about that. We, my grandmother and I, um, and other family members, yeah, we've talked about that a lot. I would, I don't know if I would be here. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, the, and we all have our, we all have our life story and our, in our history. And um, I certainly am not saying, I, I am very blessed because I had an opportunity to, to overcome it. But in the short stints, when I, when I was around her, the things that I was exposed to or the things that happened to me or the things that I had to do to keep her safe. You know, at 13 years old, I was her designated driver. Wow. Um, you know, uh, and we don't, I won't go into the detail of all the other things, but you know, it's amazing the way that a child's mind works and the responsibility that you take on and the load that you bear to, to try to fix it. and. I don't know, perhaps that that became woven into to some of the who I am around the problem solving because yeah. I was always trying to so I was trying to fix fix that. Like I wanna fix this because I wanna be that kid who at school has her mom and her dad there. Yeah. I don't want people asking me anymore, why is your grandma here? Yeah. Why is your grandpa here? Like where's your mom? Where's your dad? Um, that was really uncomfortable and made me so sad as a, as a child, even though I was so proud of, of my grandmother. So it was kind of this catch 22, you know, there's nobody I'd want to be with more, but at the same time, you just wanted to be a regular kid. And kids just ask, right? Yeah. And so you just, yeah. And you're trying to figure it all out. And yeah. we've had this conversation because my son's dad's an alcoholic, so he hasn't been around for the past three years. And the reason I ask if, if it, um, you think you'd be different is because I have seen a huge shift because he was much the caretaker at eight, nine years old for his dad, huge shift in his personality. And I don't know much if it's his age or if it's, you know, if it's because he doesn't have that burden so much Mm because we haven't seen him for three years. So I always find it interesting. How do you think it plays into you being a mom and having your own children? Well, I know the things I I don't want to do and I won't do. Yeah. You know, I know that I want to provide my children with all the things that I didn't have. And I'm not talking about material things. Yeah. I'm talking about. You do a very good job of showing up to every single thing they have. Uh, I try. I'm not there all I the mean, time. I mean, I'm always very impressed <laughs> just from following you on Facebook of how many activities your kids are in and how many you actually make for your position at work. And that is actually a commitment that I made a few years ago, uh, 2015, I think. I said to my board at the time, 
uh, we had a, a conflict with our, our, our board schedule, conflicted with my son's baseball. And I said, I posed the question, right? Like as a mom and as a career woman, I want to be good at both of those jobs and consistently missing my son's baseball games doesn't make me good at that job. And I made the commitment to them, uh, to my children, that unless it was something unavoidable, that I would be at their activities. But before that, I, I would say the place that I have a regret as a mom is when they were younger, I would say to myself, and I said out loud a couple of times, oh, well, they're only two, they're only three, they don't know if I'm here or not. So I can work this 14 or 15 hour day or on the weekends, instead of us having fun family time, I'm sitting on the couch, pounding away on the keyboard, getting caught up or every single vacation was time out of the office, but it was time to get caught up on my work, not enjoy the time off. And that is something that I have just recently shifted and begun to practice. And I was sharing with my staff not long ago, I actually feel kind of guilty about it, which is weird. So I'm processing through those feelings right now because this year, this summer, in fact, um, I've taken more time off and it's earned PTO. I mean, it's, yeah. it's in my bank, right? We all, you got it and you can take it. <laughs> it's in there, yeah. Yeah, I didn't steal it from anybody or anywhere. It's, it's there, I earned it. But taking it and actually not working, it, it's a first for me and it felt odd. So we have unlimited vacation here. And I find that funny that you say that because I think a lot, I mean, by all means, most people that work here, I mean, we have some people that, that are veterans in their field, but we've got a lot of people that this is their first or second job as well. And I, when I first said we're going to do unlimited vacation, just be, and the reason I said that is because I just didn't want to count. Like, I didn't want to be your mom and say you have one week. Choose which five days are the most important to you. So I said, let's do unlimited vacation. And my father, who's almost 70, who's our CFO, said, wait, 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 is anybody going to show up to work? And I find it very interesting because I've read studies on it now. I believe, and I don't push for this, and as the business owner, I don't love this, although they think I do. I believe that people take less vacation than if they were offered those five days, right? Why do we feel like that? Mm -hmm. Why do we feel like that? Boy, that's the million-dollar question. And as I, a leader, how do you make sure your staff doesn't feel like that? That's right. And I have said out loud to my team um, that it's because of them that I feel comfortable now to take to take the vacation. It's because I, I have a team that I that I trust so much and who's demonstrated, you know, such great ability to to get the job done that I feel comfortable to take the time the time off. And I've also said to them, I want to lead by example. So I'm encouraging you all to have good balance in your life. And if you're not seeing me do that, then it becomes a little bit harder for you to do, even if they want it. I mean, let's just pretend that they're the person who's the master at work-life balance or harmony. Um, but if they see me always working late at night or they see me always working when I'm on vacation, they're going to think that I expect the same thing yeah. from them. And so I'm really trying to stay centered and, and balanced in that way. And frankly, like we all need some time to recover and I needed some time to recover. Do you think it makes you better leader after you have that recovery time when you come back? Absolutely. You need some time to decompress and just completely unplug from things to get a to get a more clear mind. And I feel now, so I just came off of, was off the first two, um, two days of this week before the kids went back to school and I feel really refreshed and very focused. Yeah. Whereas if I had just continued pushing through and not paying attention to my own needs, um, I, I wouldn't be showing up in a very positive way right now. So I agree with you 100%.
However, I think that the push right now by all the big time social media players and marketing players and stuff that we see in our industry at least is grind, 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 hustle, grind, grind, don't take a day off, don't sleep. If you're sleeping, you're not grinding type thing. Where do you think that mentality gets you? Nowhere. Yeah. Nowhere. I mean, I and I and I think that is what so if I were to back up to say I started my career in accounting, that's my degree. So I went from numbers to animals to women. <laughs> and for 25, it would be 26 years now I was either volunteering or working in the animal welfare space. That was my life. It yeah. had become my identity. I believed that there was nothing else for me in this universe. I could do nothing else. This is what I was was born to do, built to do, right? And being able to step outside of that for a minute and these last 17 months of, of being separated from that as my, my full-time job every day has helped me realize and have a completely different perspective that I would love for other people to think about too. So for those people that are struggling right now and they feel stuck or they, they are skilled in one discipline but yet want to try something else – you've got to step out of your comfort zone because the moment you do, you realize that comfort zone is so teeny tiny small and the rest of the world is so big around you and there's so much more for you to achieve and accomplish and experience, like live your life. That's the lesson. Like I was not living my life. I was not allowing work to be a part of my life. Work had become my life. And you only have one life to live and it's your choice. You're gonna either live it or you're not. And my choice was, we gotta make some changes here. You're not super open about your backstory, are you? My childhood? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't share it with a lot of people, but um, the folks that I grew up with uh, definitely are familiar with it because they experienced it with me. They walk that path with me. But like, the people that meet you now without a hair out of place, mm-hmm. why is that? I just ha- haven't really had a, an occasion or opportunity. It wasn't. It just wasn't a part of the conversation. There's some folks that um, just by virtue of whatever we're discussing or the organization that we're volunteering or working with together, that it, it becomes a natural part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. But I certainly don't have anything to, to hide. I'm not afraid to talk about it. I just haven't all that much. The reason I ask is because when you do the personality index, like you were talking about earlier, we've done it and we've, we fall in the same, right? We have the same <laughs> personality trait as it is. Um, and that shocked me as well. I think we both were like, wow. Um, because even with our uh, our own backstories, I feel like I know somebody for two seconds and I tell them. I'm getting to the point I think it is a defense mechanism as well, right? So for a long time I was like, I think the more vulnerable I am, the better it is. I think I'm now to the point enough people know it. I don't need to tell it to everybody. I mean, yeah. it's out there enough. Um, but you've taken the exact opposite. And I didn't know if you... Th- have you ever thought... Has it ever crossed your mind? Or have you ever thought... Or has it been an insecurity that... I want them to see me here, not there. Has that ever played a part or it's just nothing that just nothing you've ever really thought through? No, I think you would be surprised and probably others would be surprised too that I am a naturally vulnerable person. So I am a person who will be the first to say, Oh gosh, like I'm not very good at that or I'm not the best at this. I or think you're like I'm... that once you get to know you, but I don't think you're like that at face value, right? Which I think is a lot of your job. Is that but is that me or is that them? I so think is it, that you come off so perfect. And I listen, if I could get one tenth of what you had, <laughs> I would do it. So this is all compliment. And I just don't think, I just don't know if it's 
because people because you have that look and so people are more intimidated mm-hmm. by that if they don't get a chance if they and themselves don't get a chance to approach you i don't think everyone takes my right my steps and go hey i've been stalking you i don't want to be your friend let's be besties right yeah let's go karaoke together um so i i don't know maybe it is a lot of them I think it's, I think it's both. I mean, I think, um, you use the word intimidating and I remember, I don't remember when it was in my career, but I remember there being a time where someone used that word to describe me that I'm intimidating. And I was so taken aback by that. Intimidating is always bad. I don't disagree, but I remember being taken aback by that, just thinking, oh my gosh, I, I would describe myself to be that person that is always trying to lift others and support them and how can I help you achieve your goals and let's do this together and oh my gosh like what am I doing that's intimidating and I don't know I think there is something about just what you project um, unintentionally that makes it more difficult for for people to think that they can just come up and approach you so I play a really active role in going up to other people I have noticed that and I will go and introduce myself and shake their hand to break down that that barrier. Um, I have always led with this perspective and and say it out loud frequently to to people again at the same time that I am interviewing them. I am not a person who believes that I am the leader and I am up here and the rest of the staff is down here. We are all on an equal playing field. Yeah. Are our responsibilities different? Yes. But if we are not all equally contributing to the outcomes and to the mission and to the goals, then we're never going to get there. And and I and I choose my words wisely when I talk about the staff to say it. They're people that I work with. They're not people that work for me. Yeah. They're people that work with me. They're people I have the privilege to work alongside of. So I'm really careful about the the words that I use to describe those relationships because I believe it. I believe we are a team, and there is not this hierarchical structure that separates us but do you think it subconsciously does have to do with your position that people find you intimidating it could i mean i think i think to some degree people find people assume or believe that oh gosh the leader you know i i'm not in that role so they're not going to want to have anything to to do with me or i can't approach them or they're not going to have time for me or be interested in what i have to say and um you know, I, I just encourage people to to not let them to not let that stop them. If there are people that you'd like to get to know, organizations you'd like to be a part of, like stick your toe in the water, like yeah. get out there a little bit, and you'll find. And that's one of the greatest things about this role at Central Exchange. I have met the most incredible and amazing women and been exposed to the most fabulous organizations in our community. And just like our members say, I never would have had that opportunity were it not for the fact that I have the privilege to be a part of Central Exchange. So um, I don't take that for for granted at all. So maybe this is Central Exchange, or maybe I just didn't have my pulse on the Kansas City business world like I do now. I feel like you're everywhere, right? I feel like if you can get Courtney Thomas on your team or in your video or something like that, you're kind of everywhere. Do you... I already know you're humble about it, okay? So don't, you don't got to play that card. But (laughs) do you feel that people, now that you're at Central Exchange versus your last job, and maybe it's also because you've really stepped up your own personal branding as well, do you feel that having Courtney Thomas there as part of your team does help step up your team? And 
I 100% feel that. But then also, why is that? And why are people seeing you like that? Because I know people are seeing you like that. So explain so let's a little take bit the more of like local you're... stuff, okay. right? Yep. One of the very first people, one of the very first persons, they've got huge companies, CEOs and stuff. But every single time, Courtney Thomas is tagged, right? Like, I feel like you've become that person. If we can get Courtney Thomas to support us, then Kansas City knows we mean business. Then Kansas City is going to take us seriously. I didn't know you before Central Exchange. We met right when you started at Central Exchange. So I don't have a good pulse on, was that going on before with you? Or is this a new thing that's happened in 18 months, past 18 months? But I do firmly believe that a lot of Kansas City and a lot of Kansas City business and nonprofits believe if Courtney Thomas supports us, that that gives us a good flag, right? What's it like to be in that position? And what do you bring to these teams, to these nonprofits, having your face as a supporter? You know, even if you're not on the board, but having you as a supporter, what responsibility do you take and what do you think... Um, what do you think that means to, I guess, the whole community? Well, I'm flattered, by the way, of what you're... Thank you. I appreciate your kind words there. Um, I think part of it is just the elevation of, of the organization. So my work in the animal welfare space kind of kept me there. I mean, I was yeah. very... I was connected with key influencers and, and businesses in Kansas City in that role, but in a, in a different way than I am now. And I think the reputation of Central Exchange has also helped to elevate my personal brand. And we, as, as you know and others know, I mean, the organization was in a really tough spot when I started uh, last year. And what we've been able to accomplish in a very short amount of time much of which we wouldn't have been able to do without the help of, of your team and your willingness to contribute to that, um, I, I think elevates the organization's potential and perhaps helps others to see me in a different light as well. I mean, we, we, we've done it. I mean, we've, we've really turned the organization around. I, I believe that that is through innovation, not being scared to take chances and, and risks, which can be challenging when you're already in a risky situation, yeah. taking more risks. Oh gosh, you know, well, your, your greatest risk is that it's not going to work out, but it's already not working. Right. Yeah. So what do we, what do we, what can we do? But, um, so what's the responsibility on your shoulders because you're in that position now? You know, I just don't know that I necessarily, you mean the responsibility at Central Exchange or in the community? No, in the community. Yeah. When, when you know people are looking at you as a mentor, at, they're looking at you like, she's doing it. I want to be her. I, I believe in this program because Courtney believes in this program. What responsibility does that carry on your shoulders? Because I think it's no different. You know, we say everything with the athletes, right? The athletes should be good role models and stuff like that. And there's that back and forth of you should be a good role model because you're in the community and kids are watching you. Well, there's a lot of young women watching you first step into their career and stuff. What responsibility do you carry on your shoulders and how do you approach your daily life and your leadership different because of that responsibility? I'm just super authentic mm -hmm. um, because eyes may be watching, uh, people may be interested. I'm not going to become someone I'm not I, I just am who I am so I've always been very authentic I've been always been very very open and transparent uh, with with people so I don't know that I feel that it's a responsibility it's just who I am I would say it's inspiring it's very inspiring to me it it it, it does sometimes 
make me wonder, okay, how many, how many more things could I do? So how many more organizations could I help? How many more, or how many, um, additional, you know, people could, could I help mentor? Um, what can I help grow? What can I help us accomplish and achieve? And, and I get really, really excited about that and thinking about the ways that I can give back, uh, to the community. But I, I have to take a step back and remind myself to find that, that place of balance. But I don't know that I see it as as much of a responsibility as I see it as a as a gift and a blessing, and that I I need to take ownership of that and 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 do my do my best with it. So, what are the organizations? Who are the people that that I can help most? And I think that's one of the things that I love. I mean, just on a volunteer capacity, even you know having whether it's a, a person, whether it's you or your business or um, a nonprofit organization. I love to see things progress and change, and I want to be a part of that, right? Yeah. I want to be able to to take something from point A and get us to point Z. That's what fuels me on the inside, and I need that to to stay alive, you know. And I don't mean physically alive, but <laughs> alive on the inside, yeah. right? It's what it's what it's what fuels me. So if someone was to come to you and ask you your number one tip for being a great leader, what would that be? Mm. You didn't give me this question or any questions in advance. So I'm going to, that's right. We're trying to get your true, honest answer. Right. Courtney Um, likes to get her questions beforehand and I wanted this to be very authentic. No, I I think it's really simple. Um, And in fact, it's what I posted on LinkedIn yesterday. I think your job is to, to be the best version of you. Like it's what I preach to my kids all the time. I don't expect you to be perfect, but I expect you to show up and I expect you to be your best and I expect you to to do your best. And if you're doing that, I'm really happy. You're going to be really happy. I'm proud of you. You know, that's just what I expect of, of people. And I think it's what helps people rest easier at night to say, you know what, you know, maybe my goal was, was X and I only got to, to this point, but what I know is that I came to work today or I came to this nonprofit organization or volunteer activity, whatever it is, and I gave it my all. And if that's what you're doing, you're gonna be successful. And continuing to think about the ways that, um, that you can learn and, and grow, because none of us, none of us knows, knows it all right? Um, Surrounding yourself with really smart people and, and opportunities and not being afraid to take, to take those risks, being a a comfortable risk taker, I think is a critical component to success. If you could be compared to one leader at the end of your career, who would you want to be compared to? Wow. That's a really big, oh my. Um, Wow. Is this the last question, or can I think about it for a minute? Um, okay, I'll ask a fun question. Okay. So you've been with your husband for 13 years. Uh-huh. Sounds like he's amazing. He is amazing. But your personality says you like to be a fixer. Were you ever the girl that dated the guys you had to fix? <laughs> um, wow. Because uh, I was. So yeah, I'm Wondering yeah. if we have that in common as well. Yeah. It's Well, so I was the girl that had longer-term relationships. So I started dating a guy when I was in ninth grade, and we dated until I was, well, I was a junior, and then we broke up for a short period, and we got back together, and we dated after college. Um, 
So, no. I mean, I don't think I had. No, I didn't have a lot of. No, fix. not a lot you never of guys took it to, to your relationship. N- not so much. I mean, my Very husband impressive. may. My husband may disagree with me and say <laughs> we were just having this conversation this morning. I was like, why couldn't we? Like, couldn't you think about it this way? Couldn't we do this? Couldn't we do that? And he's like, oh my gosh! Like, what else? What am I doing wrong? What am I doing right? And I said, I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong. I'm saying we could think about this or do that. Um, so yeah. Okay. Do you have an answer? Mm, that is so hard because there are so many amazing, amazing people. I, I admire the people most who are who are genuine and who are authentic. And I know this is going to sound really simplistic, but they don't let the leadership go to their head. Yeah. They're still just, at the end of the day, we are all still people. We all still have challenges that we face. Um you know, I think in the past, for some people, particularly the children or younger generation, you know, they look up to people who have become extremely wealthy. And as we know, with Kate Spade and other mm-hmm. other people who have been families who have um, suffered the trauma of, of, of suicide, that fame, whether that fame is in your name, that fame is in your wallet, that doesn't that doesn't get you a happy life and so i am most attracted to the people who are genuine who are authentic and who are are demonstrating um their ability to to make our community a better place and that they're taking the time for themselves so i know i'm not i should any names come to mind (laughs) people like that gosh and i don't want to talk about it okay (laughs) i don't know i don't i um I don't know the I just don't know the answer which is embarrassing to say well I will tell you that you are on my list so oh I appreciate let's, let's that. just start there we want to talk so. about people in, the, in this community I can give you give you you know several <laughs> names of of women that I admire and that I look up to um, if you're thinking on a more like global scale that becomes a little more difficult to me I would just say that I'm I'm really proud every every day when I have those moments that I realize I'm more and more like my grandmother because that's the woman that I want to be. That's pretty impressive. She sounds pretty amazing. Yeah, I'll show you her picture. She's she's incredible. Okay. If and if you want, we'd love to share it too. I don't know. Does she yeah. do Facebook? No. She talks about Facebook. Oh. We talk about what's on Facebook. I feel like we um, need to get her on Facebook. Yeah, she yeah, I bought her an iPad. Right now. I bought her an iPad, and so I can send her text messages of pictures Aww. and things. But she hasn't quite figured out the. She likes to give me advice on Facebook, like, "Well, Courtney, don't just put, don't put everything on Facebook." <laughs> okay, Grandmama. Oh, it sounds yeah. amazing. Is yeah. that what you call her, Grandmama? Grandmama. Oh, yeah, awesome. Grandmama. Well, make sure she hears this. I will. I think it'll bring a tear to her eye. Oh, thank you. Okay, well, that's it for this week's cocktail hour. Do you want to hear from your favorite local businesswoman? Do you know a woman in business who is shaking shit up? Send your recommendation to heygirl at cocktailhourpodcast.com. Until next time, I'm Erin Folk. Keep your class and your glass raised, and we'll see you at the next cocktail hour. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you.